Hello, my name is Keith, and I wrote a book about The Last of Us, and I'm using this podcast feed slash YouTube channel to put out an audiobook version of it. But in between chapters, I'm like, yeah, let's just put out some other game-related shit. And today I would like to talk about the experiences of a lapsed Magic the Gathering player, that being me, getting back into the game through... Magic the Gathering Arena, which is the new, newer online version. There was already a Magic the Gathering online, but Arena is kind of the free-to-play, more accessible version. So I originally played Magic back in the 90s. I was in high school, and uh, some of my friends were playing Magic. And it was that classic, you know, 4th edition, Ice Age era where stuff like, you know, the Shivan Dragon was super impressive. That's the first magic card I distinctly remember, is like Shivan Dragon and Sengar Vampire. So my friends would have these cards and they're like, whoa, look at these, Lord of the Pit. Look at this shit, Force of Nature. You know, just big, big creatures were what we thought were cool. And they were so into this game that I started playing it and uh, I was really bad at it at first. I just kind of made my peace with the idea that I was always going to lose and I would just do it because it's a fun excuse to hang out with my friends. But then I like learned the game and I got slowly better at it. And uh, I had a lot of access to cards because I worked at a comic shop. So that was convenient. If I just needed commons or uncommons, you know, we had our big binder full of stuff. It was pretty easy for me to get what I needed. And it's weird to think that that was like 1995. Magic only started in like 1993. The old, super powerful, hard-to-get cards weren't really that far removed. You know, they'd only come out a year and a half before or something. But they felt super inaccessible, very hard to get. Because uh, I was living in eastern Canada. I don't know that we even got magic cards back then. I don't know if we did. We definitely got some revised, you know. Everybody eventually got their soul rings and stuff. If you were lucky, you had some dual lands, but it was very rare to see any of the truly powerful old cards. But yeah, magic really gripped the, the nerd community of the time, where specifically the student union building in my hometown, we would just take over the lounge there, even though I didn't go to the university, I was still in high school. But all of the university magic nerds would hang out there and play magic, and I would just go hang out there too. I'd like skip school and just go to the university and play magic. It was really fucking fun. It was really cool. But it dried up really suddenly. And uh, I mean, I, I followed the pattern too, where like for a solid year, we hung out at that student union building all the time. And I remember uh, alliances came out up to like Mirage probably. But then uh, I didn't have internet at home at the time. But I got a little disk that let me like log on to the internet at the university. So I started going to computer labs and going online and doing like chat program shit. And I drifted away from magic. And I remember one weekend I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go see what the magic boys are up to. And I went to the student union building and no one there was playing magic. Like in the six months I'd been gone, it just evaporated. It was just gone. It's like, holy fuck, that was sudden. But hey, I left too, right? So amongst my friends, we still hung on a bit. We still played a little bit of Magic. The last time I remember really being aware of Magic 
was like Weatherlight. Because I remember they were trying to introduce storylines into Magic and it did not take at all. I was not at all interested in the adventures of the Weatherlight. Seemed very lame to me. And then I moved away and my life spun off and did other stuff. And that was kind of it for Magic. But every once in a while, me and my friends would talk about it and like, man, you remember that? That was good times. And I really did think it was a genius game, especially the five colors, like the way the five colors relate to one another, which ones are complementary, which ones are enemies. I'm like, man, this makes so much sense. And I would always just kind of keep that in the back of my mind. It's like kind of a good way to uh, compartmentalize people's personalities. Like, oh, okay, yeah, this person is like this, or maybe I'm like this, or whatever. It's just neat. And then what started drawing me back toward magic, years later, was Mark Rosewater, who is one of the lead designers for a lot of magic sets. He did like a TED talk that was like 20 lessons over 20 years that they learned through magic, which is like, yeah, just nuts, right? I was playing like two, three years into magic. Now we were 20 years ahead. But it was really neat. He had a lot of uh, neat insights about game design in general, not just about magic, but about anything you might be making in the gaming sphere. I thought that was pretty interesting. So I dug up his podcast. He does this podcast. It's like a, an excellent example of multitasking where on his drive to work, he just records a half hour podcast and he's done like 700 episodes. So I grabbed a bunch of those and would just listen to them. And it was so cool because again, there's so many of these things that can be applied to any creative endeavor. But it was extra neat to hear about magic because I had that basic grounding. I knew how the game worked. I understood the color system. And I had that nostalgia for it of like, I do miss those days. That was fun. I miss playing magic. So I'd listen to these shows and uh, I would mostly understand what he was talking about. But obviously in the ensuing 20 years, you know, things had changed. It was a little hard to wrap my head around some of these concepts. Stuff like Planeswalkers, you know, it's this new card type that they made. And I'm like, okay, I think I understand how this works. It doesn't sound that complicated. But when it's just this theoretical thing in your mind, it's really hard to know if you're understanding the mechanics of this properly. Or to really understand the ebb and flow of how this card works and the pacing of it and how it affects games and whatever. It's something that's easy to understand when you're playing with or against this card. You understand the flow of things. We're just conceptualizing of it when you're listening to a podcast is a little tough. So I always kind of wanted to get back into magic, but the little bit that I knew of magic online was that as far as I understood, they tried to keep the economies similar. So the Magic Online cards were approximately as valuable as the physical cards. And Magic was not a cheap game. Like, I was lucky to have access to the comic shop. Because if I had to buy all those cards, fuck, fuck me, you know? And I was just never that interested in having a big collection or having valuable cards. Like, what I would always do back in the day is I had some pretty good decks, some pretty competitive decks, you know. Your kind of standard shit where when I started I had like red-green, really fast deck. 
and I made a blue-white, you know, controlly deck, and those were both pretty good. But what I really liked is just making my own weird, silly decks, and I would just trade whatever I needed to trade to get the cards that I needed to make these decks. And I didn't really care if I was getting a bad deal. I was just like, whatever, I just want the cards. Just give me them. I want to make decks. I want to have fun. Like, my most ridiculous one is there was this card called Thought Lash that had a cumulative upkeep of removing the top card of your deck from the game. <laughs> like, you're just grinding away your deck faster and faster. But while it was in play, you could remove the top card of your deck from the game to prevent damage. So as long as you had cards and a Thought Lash in play, you couldn't be killed. So I made like a 200 card deck. Maybe it was only 150. With all these different ways to search for the Thought Lash. And it wasn't great, you know, I'd say it probably won 20% of the time. But to sit down with all these super serious magic nerds and to pull out your deck that's three times bigger than their deck, you look like such a total beginner that they're just like, well, this is, this guy is an idiot. This is stupid. This deck is never going to hurt me. So those times that you did win, it was just great. <laughs> I loved shit like that. They just couldn't believe it. They're like trying to reframe the experience to somehow explain why they lost. But really, they just lost mostly because magic is random as fuck, but I'll get into that. So I was curious to get back into magic, but I wasn't willing to take the plunge with this online shit and start spending a bunch of money on cards. And I heard a lot of bad things about Magic Online because it had been around forever and apparently it's just really buggy. Just kind of a buggy, ugly little game where meanwhile Hearthstone and all this shit was coming out. There was all flashy and fancy and Magic Online was just this fucking weird clunky old mess. But I didn't want to play those other games because I didn't actually care about like playing card games. I don't give a fuck. I only wanted to play Magic. I was still very fascinated by the game, so I started watching like YouTube videos about Magic. This guy, Nizahone, puts out these top tens of just like, pick a category of card and then he would kind of do the math of like, how many top eight tournament decks have had this card in it. And just talk about the cards, and it was a nice way to get a, an overview of the cards that had happened in the past 20 years. And I started watching those. And at some point, I was like, what is the deal with Magic Online? Let's really look into this. Because, man, like, I'm spending an awful lot of time already absorbing magic media. Maybe I'm wrong about Magic Online. Let me check it out. And that's when I found out they'd put out a new version of Magic Online called Magic Arena. You know, it's been out for a couple of years, and it is, like, it's the Hearthstone version of Magic. It's way flashier, it's way prettier runs smooth, but importantly, it is free to play because it doesn't necessarily care about the larger magic economy. It has its own little economy. It's only recent cards and the cards aren't worth shit. You know, they're only worth whatever they're worth within the ecosystem of this one game. It can't be transferred out, but you can play for free. They'll just give you some decks with some shitty cards and go play some magic. And I was like, ah, oh, perfect. This is great. Well, all right then, let's do that. So I got to experience new magic cards. I got to play against Planeswalkers. They're a fucking pain in the ass, by the way. It's very frustrating to get caught behind a Planeswalker that's just ticking up its loyalty counters 
I don't mind the ones necessarily that only go down or that stay at zero, but the ones that tick up. So frustrating when you just can't deal with this fucking thing. And again, that's uh, gonna become the story here, the story of me being frustrated. But these uh, starter decks they give you, they really weren't that bad. There's a lot of cool rares and like they were kind of decent. I was doing all right. And then as you play, you get to unlock packs and you start getting more and more cards. And as you get like multiples, you get wild cards that you can just trade in for whatever cards you need. So you can actually start to build decks like you can have an idea and it's attainable. Even without spending a cent on this game, you can start making decks. And eventually I was playing it enough that I was like, yeah, fuck it, they deserve a little money. <laughs> I don't need to just be a total cheapskate. So I bought the little $5 entry pack of cards and shit. And then you throw in 15 bucks and you get just, it just gives you more rewards as you play. Doubles the amount of rewards you get for the month or two or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. You know, here's 20 bucks basically. I'm putting a little money into magic because this is so cool. It's so nice that they're offering this and like just have the cards, just play with them. Just just play some magic. You know, the barrier to entry is is nothing. It's like, this is great. This is a much better way to go. But basically, I guess, I mean, I stuck with this for like three months, four months. I still got it. I still play it sometimes. But I think just to streamline straight to what my experience has been playing magic online, it's just, it's frustrating in a way that playing magic with actual people never was. Like back in the day, there were things about magic that were worse, you know, like I have horrible memories of hypnotic specters. Every black deck had fucking hypnotic specters and dark rituals. It wasn't that unusual for a first turn hypnotic specter, which is a 2-2 flyer that every time it hits you, you have to discard a card. It's just brutal. It just chops you down so fast. And it's like, Jesus, and these are not even rare cards. One of them's, I think, uncommon and one of them's common. It was very easy to do that and it was insane. Circles of protection, my friends didn't have big problems with, but I always was like, geez, I don't know. Because I guess back then too, a lot of our games would kind of stall out and go longer and we'd have a lot of mana sitting around and these fucking circles of protection could just bring, just stop so many sources of damage. I'm like, Jesus, what if it was like a mana per point of damage? That'd be all right. But a whole source? I hated that shit. And I felt a little vindicated to see how magic had changed in 20 years that Dark Rituals, out of there. Super easy discard effects like Hypnotic Spectre, out of there. Even protection from a color, almost entirely out of there. All that shit's gone. And I'm like, oh, maybe I was kind of right about that shit. That's interesting. And I never understood why there were instants and interrupts. It just seemed like so much weird minutia of language that did not seem at all necessary. And now here we are in the future. Everything's an instant. There's no more interrupts. I'm like, yeah, of course there isn't. Why fucking was there in the first place? Just weird. So in all those ways, magic was more brutal back in the day and is more friendly now. Land destruction too, barely a thing anymore. But what did not exist back in the day and exists like crazy now are intricate interlaced combos and reactions. And man, I find that stuff so fucking frustrating. It's just brutal. Like, I don't know how some of these decks would even be playable with 
physical cards? How would you ever keep track of all this stuff if the online game wasn't doing it for you? Like, all right, sacrifice this guy and him leaving the battlefield makes this effect happen and this enchantment makes every effect go off twice and then this makes this thing create a fucking whatever token and because it came into play, this thing gets this. And it's just like, like back in the day, our games of magic were a little boneheaded maybe. It was just kind of like, okay, attack with your creature. I block with this guy. A giant growth. Oh yeah, well, fuck you. I swords to plowshares. Oh yeah, well, I counterspell. Ah, fuck. You know, that was about as complicated as it got. <laughs> I knew one guy who had this really elaborate winter orb, black vice deck that would lock you down and then kill you by not allowing you to play your cards and your hand fills up and it was like stasis shit going on. And it was impressive. The first time it happened, I was like, whoa, that's a crazy wind condition. That's nuts. But I didn't fully respect it because I knew he didn't come up with that himself. You know, he got on the fledgling internet somewhere and he found like, here's the best black vice deck. And then he spent a bunch of money to get all the cards. <laughs> you know, I respected it to a degree, but not nearly as much as just us making our crazy decks that were just like, Hey, I had an idea, let's try this deck. So most of the time, things just didn't get that complicated. And now playing Magic Online, like if someone's pulling ahead of me and it's like, oh shit, okay, I can feel that, that pull. They've got board control, they're advancing quicker than me. And then they'll have a turn where they'll take like six or seven actions. And I'm like, whoa, good turn. Good work, guy, I'm in big trouble. But then, it's not just six or seven. Another thing happens, and another thing, 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 and at like the 13th or 14th thing that triggers in one turn, I got to the point where it's like, I'm I just started rage quitting out of games. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I get that I let this happen. You know, I let the board state get away from me. And again, I can't blame my cards, because like I was saying, they're very generous with cards and the wild cards and stuff. If I really need something, I can get it. I can get four copies. I can make the deck I want to make. But these fucking things happen that just never happened back in the day and aren't like especially clever because they're designed to work this way. You know, these are all standard recent sets. It's like, yeah, this thing is supposed to trigger that thing that then triggers this thing that triggers this thing and you're stuck in this fucking mousetrap of <laughs> recursive bullshit and it's just so fucking annoying it really really frustrated me in a way i did not expect and i do have a history of getting like i'm one of those kids who got really mad at video games i'm predisposed to getting mad at, at video games there's no question there but i never got mad like that at magic back in the day the reason why i remember circles of protection and Hypnotic Spectre so much is because those are the only times I can remember just being like, what am I going to do? I don't even want to play against these cards anymore, <laughs> you know? They're just too frustrating. So it was only those couple little cases where Magic Online, this shit's happening all the time. And there's weird things about it too, like it's mostly a best of one. Back in the day, we always played best of three with a sideboard. So, you know, even if you get your ass beat the first time, you sideboard in some cards and 
try again. Best of one definitely encourages some fuckery <laughs> on both sides. Like my first pretty good deck was mono red because when you don't have anything in your deck to prepare for mono red, it's a little unfair. It just blitzes you and then that's that. But also, so this guy I knew who had the Winter Orb Stasis deck, who, you know, he clearly went and looked up a deck list online somewhere on some fucking, you know, ancient ass news group or something. That happens now, way more so. They call it net decking, where you just look up what are the most competitive decks and you get the cards and like, yeah, I could easily do that too. I have the access to the cards. I have the access to the deck lists. I just, I don't want to do that. That's not the kind of magic I want to play. But I can't necessarily blame these people because if you don't want to fucking lose all the time, <laughs> like, what choice do you have? The only way to really be competitive is to play one of these top decks. So that's a weird situation that I'm not quite sure how to get around. But basically I started realizing there are other formats. Because the standard magic deck with 60 cards and four copies of each card, I mean, what does that boil down to? You're basically playing with a nine card deck, you know? It makes these combos much easier to do because you have multiples of everything. But there's this other game mode called Brawl that's based on Commander, which Commander was like 100 cards, one per card. Brawl's similar, it's only 60 cards, but you can only use one of each, and you have a commander creature who, when he dies, he just goes back to your hand. But it's more expensive to cast it each time. So I was like, okay, maybe that's my way out, because I started playing Brawl, and I did like it way more. Like, one copy of each card feels a lot better, because there's a lot more variety. And when you get rid of something, it's like, ah, that threat's done. I did it. Unless they go to some extraordinary lengths to get that card back, it's over where there's like a special frustration to like some card that you have a really hard time getting rid of and you finally do. You make it past the fucking puzzle and they just cast another one. It's like, ah, for fuck's sake, <laughs> you know? And I started coming up with these brawl decks that were really neat because they kind of abused the idea that your commander just keeps bouncing back to your hand. Because like this is again like the, uh, the catch-22. I get annoyed when these people have these super honed, crazy, brutal decks. But obviously I'm trying to do that too, right? Like they have their device of death and I'm trying to make my own device of death to battle their device of death. So if I can find something that works, if I can find an advantage, I'm gonna take it. But I, you know, I try to come up with my own thing <laughs> at least. But the first brawl deck I came up with that really seem to work is there's this blue-black creature named Ertata the Silencer who can't be blocked and whenever she does damage she removes one of your opponent's creatures and if she does that three times you win the game. But the idea is supposed to be when she hits you shuffle her back into your deck so you have to find a way to get her back out again and it's a whole to-do where in Commander she just goes back to your hand. So it's like brutal. <laughs> you can just cast attack, cast attack, cast attack, you win. I was like, this is pretty fucked up. But despite some early successes, it actually didn't work that well because I made this deck that the whole deck was based around protecting Ertata the Silencer. And it came down to just like, all I'm trying to do is keep this one creature alive. 
and all my opponent's trying to do is kill it, and most opponents could. If they marshal all their forces toward, let's just kill this one thing, they can do it, generally. <laughs> so what I did instead is I just made a normal blue-black deck, and Arteta the Silencer just happened to be there. And that was great, because then it was like I had two decks at once. If you don't focus on the Silencer, she's going to kill you. But if you don't focus on the normal old deck that's also attacking you, it's going to kill you. So it was like two decks at once. Like I'm coming at them from two sides. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. I feel like I really figured something out here. This is really neat. <laughs> and that deck was doing really well. It was going okay. And then I came up with another similar deck. But instead of the Silencer, it's this black creature named Rankle, the master of pranks. And Rankle is fucked up where... When Rankle hits you, both players discard a card and both players sacrifice a creature. But you can choose not to. It's up to me how much fuckery this guy does. But I made a whole deck that by itself, you know, a very average deck, probably a little below average. But it was designed so that when I sacrificed creatures and I discarded cards, I mostly didn't care that much because they were not very efficient creatures and not very efficient spells, but a lot of them could come back. So I'm discarding cards and sacrificing creatures that it's all right, like I'll get it back again. <laughs> Whereas it can be so brutal to an opponent when they're sacrificing creatures that they really needed and they're throwing away cards they really needed. And yeah, it's just that power of discard came back from the olden days of like, you see someone really hesitate, really trying to decide what to discard and then you look at the card they threw away and it was some great card and I'm like, oh man, no wonder discard was so good back in the day. Like, I don't have to deal with that threat. I don't have to worry about what to do about that card. It's just gone, <laughs> you know? And yeah, when it worked, it was just brutal. What a brutal deck. If you got ahead of someone, you could just crush them. But I guess the thing with all of these decks any kind of magic deck you might have, you know, it's all about who has got the better board position, who is ahead on resources and tempo and this and that. And when you're behind, man, it is a frustrating game. And no matter what I did and no matter what kind of deck I had or how well I thought I was doing or whatever, Sometimes you just get fucked, and a lot of it is that there's this randomness to magic of like, you never know what specifically you're going to draw, and the land system is what gives you mana to cast spells, and it's extremely erratic. And like that Mark Rosewater guy has a whole podcast about how people complain about the mana system, but he was talking about what's good about it. Because games like Hearthstone, they just give you an extra mana each turn, and it's a very predictable curve, where magic brings in so much randomness and it really does make it exciting when something works out it's a crazy amazing thing but when it doesn't work you just get fucked like i had games where i just draw six or seven land in a row and it's just like what the shit <laughs> you know? and i guess you know just my history of getting mad at video games just kept building up and building up like early on i was like noticing myself getting angry at magic and i made this is ridiculous, but it really did help. I made a little piece of cardboard that I just hung on top of my laptop that just said, losing is okay, dude. <laughs> just so it would be right there and I would always be looking at it. 
And when I would start to get frustrated, I'd see that message and be like, yeah, man, losing's okay. What am I getting worked up for? Who cares? But it just got worse and worse and worse. And I think it's because, like I play video games on hard a lot. I do like it. I like getting over that hump. But when you play against a computer opponent, when you play a one player game, like no matter how hard it is, you eventually learn the system and you learn the parameters and you learn how to get ahead. And three or four months into playing a game, I mean, assuming you're even still playing a one player game for three or four months, that's a long time, but you should be on top of this. You know, you should be good at it. It shouldn't be that hard anymore. You should have learned the systems and learned the parameters and learned how to kick this game's ass. And I think I just, I can't remove that inclination from myself. Like I just, at first I was just thankful that there was a version of magic I could play so I could see what these new cards are like and see what the state of the game is like after all this time. And then it's like, hey, you know, I'm just playing the free cards or just whatever little bit of money I spent. There's no reason for me to expect to win and I could kind of just go forward with that. But eventually, I guess I just hit a point where it's like, I just, something inside of me doesn't feel like it should be losing this much anymore. But I'm not playing against some kind of computer. This is not just a system I can work out. I'm playing against people. People that are just as smart as me, are probably better at magic than me, and want me to die. <laughs> they want me to lose. One player video games, even on super hard, like that's why I started putting games on super hard, is because you realize they're not that super hard. You know, it doesn't matter how fucking hard this game is. It's fudging a lot of stuff in your favor. Or, you know, like an AI is never going to be as good as a person. You can eventually figure this shit out. But you can't figure out other people. It's never going to happen. They're always going to be just as good as you. And on top of that, I started listening to more magic podcasts by pro players and shit. And they would drop these things like, hey, you know, even these pro players, these best in the world, these people that have been playing for decades and never stopped, their win rate is like 70%. And then as they talk more, they're like, yeah, you know, I'm probably exaggerating with 70. It's probably more like 60 or 55, <laughs> you know? Two out of three on a good day. And a lot of it really just comes down to that magic is a high variance game. It is super random. Just the way it's designed and the way it works and just the randomness of shuffling a deck of cards. Basically, the more I learned about the game and the more I listened to people talk about it, it just started seeming and sounding and feeling to me more and more like playing the lottery, <laughs> you know? It's just so fucking random. It doesn't matter if you have the best cards and the best deck and you've been playing Magic for 20 years straight, and you literally are one of the best players in the world, enjoy your 55%, fuckface. <laughs> enjoy your 60%. You're gonna lose all the time. You're gonna lose like crazy. That is just fundamentally how magic works. And I guess it's like something I learned in myself that I realized, like, I always knew I was sort of prone to getting frustrated at video games. But I really learned for real, like, just me personally, the way my personality is, I can't deal with that. I cannot lose that much. <laughs> I can't lose 50% of the time. 
and that's when I'm having a good day. Like, I just can't. It makes me so fucking angry. Just crazy angry to, like, like it's, it's disappointing <laughs> where I would be sitting there next to my stupid laptop. It's two in the morning. I'm in my dark little room. I just had an especially frustrating game of magic where I really was just under someone's thumb and I couldn't get out. And I'm just sitting there telling myself all these things. Telling myself it's a random game. Telling myself there's no reason for me to expect to win. But it just didn't matter. Like my body was just flooded with these stress hormones and just with this anger. And it's like, it got to the point of it's almost like an out-of-body experience where I'm watching myself be this mad. And I'm like, I don't want to be this person. I don't want to feel like this. I don't want to be angry like this. But I can't stop. I can't play this game without eventually feeling like this. And I just uninstalled the whole thing. I'm like, man, this is a sad day. But this is who I am. I do not have the fortitude. I do not have the personality type required to play this fucking game. And it's like, dude, that is such a downer because I loved magic so much back in the day and I stayed so interested in it. And I do love it. Like, they do such a good job with stuff. Like, one of the more recent sets, as of this recording, is called Throne of Eldraine. And it's like their take on the grim fairy tales. And it's done so well, and it's so cool. And as you've probably heard, I mean, I'm walking through the woods as I record this. And when I'm walking through these, like, wooded areas, I feel like I'm in it. You know, I'm in Throne of Eldraine. I'm like, this is cool. The uh, five colors of magic. How I was saying how just throughout my life, it's been a neat little guidepost to think about human personality types. I mean, if it's not obvious already, I'm red. This getting angry shit, I always have just like, when I was a kid, I was red-blue. When I was a teenager, I was red-black. As an adult, I'm trying to be more red-green. But red is the constant. Red is the thing that doesn't go away. Like, I'm probably understating in this podcast how angry this game made me. But it like, psychotically angry. So fucking angry. I'm just red. Red all the way through. Red for my whole life. It's never going to stop. It's never going to change. I just have to accept that that's what I am. Being held down. Being held under someone's thumb. Then I wonder too, like, does just that feeling of being stomped down in a game of magic, does that just remind me of, like, being bullied in school or bosses that give you shit? Like, what is it it's keying up something in me that makes me fucking crazy angry. <laughs> but I feel like there's so many valuable things about magic too. What I was going to say is uh, Ravnica. Ravnica is where they took the five colors and they took each two color pairing and gave it a name and a little clan. And that's like another way to look at the color system and be like, oh, okay, this person is these colors. and. Like, it's so cool. It's so neat. I love the thought they put into this stuff and the things that they've developed out of this framework. And they announced, like, the sets that are coming out next year. And one of them is, like, a wizard school, you know? Like, presumably it's, like, the magic version of Harry Potter. And I want to know about that. I big time want to be part of that. 
It's like, I don't want to stop playing magic, but I can't keep playing magic, you know? It makes me nuts. So I was thinking, why didn't I feel this way back in the day? Why did I so rarely, if ever, get really angry playing magic when I was a teenager? If anything, I was an angrier person back then. Getting tilted, they call it. That's another thing I realized listening to these podcasts. It's a common topic. How do you stop yourself getting tilted when you play magic? Because almost everyone deals with it. Almost everyone, to some degree, feels these frustrations. But I think why it never bothered me when I was younger is because it was a different experience, you know? It was, let's go hang out with all our friends. Let's go to the university. Let's meet a bunch of new people. Let's talk to them. And it was extra cool because they were university students and we were just high school students. Let's see what cards they have. Let's trade stuff. Let's play magic. Let's have big group games. Let's just have fun. So who cares if you win or lose? You know, there's so much else to get from the experience. We did a few little tournaments here and there and shit. And playing magic online, all that stuff is gone. You know, there is no social aspect. There's no, hey, how you doing? What's your name? Where are you from? All there is, is the game. And I just came to this, like, unfortunate conclusion that it's like, man, I hate to say this about magic because I love magic so much and I respect it so much and I think it's so genius. And there's so much cool about it. But as a game, it's kind of not a good game. It's so fucking random. It's way too fucking random. It is just more and more like playing the lottery is how it feels. And like, when you win, when you do something crazy, it's like ding, ding, ding. The slot machine just paid off. You just got the thing. But when you get fucked, you get fucked. And I just don't think I'm on board for that shit, (laughs) you know? Just playing pure magic, just playing the game for the game, without the social aspect, without the hanging out with your friends, without all those side benefits to the cards, when you just play it as a video game. Fuck this video game. This is not a good video game. This is a video game designed to make you insane. And if you're predisposed toward getting frustrated at video games, this thing is your fucking kryptonite. It's brutal. It fucking sucks. (laughs) But again, I don't want to give it up just cold turkey or whatever, because like, yeah, it ties into my youth and all the nostalgia, and I still like listening to these magic podcasts and watching these magic YouTube videos, and I'm interested in all the sets that are coming out. And now through Arena, it's just so cool that like when a new set comes out, I can just experience it. I can see what these cards are like. I can try shit out for a very small investment, or if I want, no investment. That's a valuable thing. So it's like, all right, I got to learn how to, I got to learn some kind of middle ground. What can I do here? So after I rage uninstalled, it's like, all right, a few days later, I fucking loaded the thing back up. And here's where I'm at at this point is these little daily quests you can do to get gold that you use to get packs and things. Those kind of stack up. You don't actually have to do it every day. I had like three days worth of them all stacked up together. So I did them all together. And it's like easy shit, shit you can't lose about, you know? It's like cast, I think I had like cast 20 white spells, cast 30 creatures, attack with 40 creatures. You know, I played a few games and I just did all that stuff and got all the rewards. 
and you get some extra rewards for winning, but you're going to inadvertently win sometimes anyway, just because this game's random as shit. So basically, I've just really... That thing with that little sign I made, losing is okay. I'm really, at this point, what I'm doing is I'm going into it deliberately with the mindset that I want to lose. <laughs> this is where it gets weird, but it kind of worked. This is something, quick little tangent, that I sort of started realizing. Last year, I visited Japan, and while I was in Japan, my bank shut off my bank card. It was ridiculous. I was like, going to be stuck in a foreign country with no bank card. And I sent them a message and I was like, can you please extend my bank card? Because I'm not going to be home for two months. And they would not do it. And I was really, really mad for a couple of days. And the only way, like, because just being angry, what is the point? You know, it just makes your life miserable. And I would fantasize about how when I got back to Canada, I was going to go yell at the person at my bank. But all of that just made me more stressed and more unhappy. And the only way I got over it was basically to accept defeat, to accept loss, to accept that the bank doesn't care about me. The bank is this giant thing, this giant unfair, crazy mechanism that doesn't fucking care about me. Yelling at some random person at the bank will only make me look bad, will make me feel bad, and will have no effect. That person is not the one who made the choice. That person doesn't care. Hurting that person would only hurt me. Wouldn't help anything. Life isn't fair, I guess, to really boil it down. The mechanisms of life can stomp you down at any time and there is nothing you can do. And getting mad about it is just that expectation. Expecting that you deserve not to be stomped it makes me miserable. It just makes me feel angry and impotent and ineffective. Where when I accepted it, I was like, you know what I'm going to do instead? When I get back to Canada, I'm just going to be nice. I'm going to be polite. I'm going to be like, wow, you guys really fucked me good, but hey, <laughs> you know, I took a lot of money out of the bank machine before my card got shut off. I lived on cash for two months and here I am. I, I guess everything was okay. And that's what I did, and that's what happened. And it was fucking annoying to have to deal with this stupid fucking teller at this dumb fucking bank. But the whole thing just made me feel better overall, particularly while I was still in Japan. Just so that my whole trip wasn't ruined with this seething little ball of frustration, I just let it go. I'm like, you know what? Ultimately, whatever, man. If that's the worst thing that happens to me, <laughs> well, you know... I could lose an arm, I could get cancer, I could, oh, so many worse things could happen. And it really helped. So that's the real life example. But within magic, I think it helps too, when you really can convince yourself that you're just here as a tourist. You're just here to see the cards and see how they work and experience the little storylines they build and the little worlds they've created, and you're not here to win. <laughs> like, literally, if I start pulling ahead from my opponent, I start rooting for him. I'm like, you can do it, buddy. Don't worry, it's not over yet. You can kill me. And sometimes they do. <laughs> and it feels so much better. It's very hard to do. I can't overemphasize how hard this is for me to do. This feels so bad. The turmoil inside me is huge, but it still feels better than losing my temper. 
Because when you expect to win, like, especially these, like, oh, you know, you can win 15 games per day and get stuff. And when I started making, especially that Rankle deck that was actually pretty good, and I start expecting to get my 15 wins, and then you go on a streak of four or five games where you lose every game, it's that expectation of victory that was just ruining my life, you know? I just have to get rid of that, that expectation of winning, because I don't have the best decks. I didn't lay down the money to get all the stuff. I didn't look up the list on the internet. Ultimately, I am just a free player. I haven't played in 20 years. I don't deserve to win. And even if I was that person, even if I played for 20 years, even if I had all the cards, even if I had the best deck list, I still wouldn't fucking win. That's what's so ridiculous about Magic the Gathering. The best players in the fucking world on a good day will win two games out of three. And they're the best. So it's a little tough. Like I said, I'm having a little bit of a hard time doing this. But I really think, because again, I just, I don't want to just quit cold turkey. I want to find a way to keep magic in my life because there's so much cool about it. And I really feel like maybe this could help me in the world, you know? Because like experiences like that thing in Japan with my bank card getting shut off, they don't really happen that often. But they're valuable experiences, you know? They're like growing experiences. But maybe I could take this magic thing and bring this into my life, you know? Like if I can really drill <laughs> about accepting loss, because you lose a game and you realize like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Everything in life is still fine. Everything's okay. I think that could be a valuable skill to learn because if you explode that out to the world, it's like, okay, the world is like a game of magic. The world's not fair. The world is not there for you to win. The world is gonna beat you a lot. You're gonna lose a lot. But if you can just accept that loss doesn't actually matter that much. Life goes on and you're still fine. That's gotta be a valuable skill to have, right? And maybe, maybe this is what magic has to offer me, you know? Like, would magic really be that valuable a game if somehow, I don't know how this would even happen, but what if I just got back into it and I was just the greatest wonderkind of all time and I just beat everyone and I won all the time? Because already, that that doesn't even work anymore. It's only been three or four months, but unless I have a fantastically clever play, winning doesn't feel that great, whereas losing feels terrible. <laughs> so what is the value even in winning? Like there is more value in losing. If I can learn how to lose, I think that's a valuable skill in life. So that's what I'm gonna try to do. That's my plan now with magic is learn to lose. Because as soon as I flip to the other side, just today, I was playing and I noticed, oh, I've got three wins or four wins just inadvertently. And I got it in my head for some reason. Oh, let's get that next one. 25 experience points if I get one more win. And that's the game where I got mad. I got stuck behind some guy's strategy. I felt like I was chained down and I couldn't do anything and I got angry. And I only got angry because suddenly I wanted to win. But it was 25 experience. Who gives a shit? You need like a thousand experience to go up a level. 25 is nothing. 
It's not valuable. It's not worth it. But I got it in my head that I wanted to win and I somehow deserved to win. And that's what killed me. That's what made me mad. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. The other thing that is kind of neat is uh, there's this guy, the magic historian. He's this Canadian dude. He's about my age. I just like his uh, stories on YouTube about old school magic because I'm like, oh yeah, I can identify with all that stuff. The days when you had a deck full of craw worms and you thought that was the coolest shit in the world. He said what he does is uh, the maximum deck size on Magic Arena is 250 cards, which, like that Thoughtlash deck, it's absurd. A 60-card deck is the only thing remotely competitive. To go at all above that means you're a, a, a scrub. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but he said like, he plays a 250-card green deck just because it's more fun for him. It's just more variety of cards that he can fuck with. And that's what he does. And I'm like, what a good idea. So I did that. I've only done it with black so far. But I took every black rare, mythic rare, and uncommon and a bunch of lands. And that came in just under 250. So then I just put in some useful commons. And as I play, if there's something that is ludicrously not good, you know, I take that out and I swap in something else that's a little more useful. But it's a 250 card deck, you know? Again, as soon as I sit down, across from the other person, it's absurd. It's like, well, I'm not going to win. I'm an idiot. Look at this stupid deck. But it really is cool because I am playing all these cards I never played before and trying all this stuff. And because of the ludicrous randomness of magic and the fact that even bad cards, how bad can they be? You know, a lot of them, it's like, hey, it might not be a great creature, but it's still a creature. I still win less than before. But not never, you know? My 250 card deck where it's just basically one of everything in my collection. It does win sometimes because fucking magic is bullshit, <laughs> you know? And it is a lot of fun. It's really cool. Weird shit that I haven't touched, like mutate and things. These weird mechanics that I'm like, hey, whatever, I'll figure that out someday. Now I'm figuring them out because I just threw these cards in a deck. And it really does put the focus back on me. Like, let's not worry about my opponent. Let's not worry about trying to win. Let's just worry about experiencing magic and trying out cards. And like sometimes these weird scenarios and weird combos happen that I never could have guessed would ever happen because my deck is so random. My deck is like charcoal. It has so many sides and so many facets that sometimes it just doesn't work at all. But sometimes I can find some weird way that my super random assortment of cards just interacts just right with theirs and it's just crazy cool shit happens. And it's really neat. So thanks for listening to that ramble. I hope that was interesting to some degree. But that's where I'm at now. I loved magic back in the day. But I'm realizing now that the social side of it was hugely important to that. Nowadays, playing online with just the game, just the raw game, I gotta make my own fun. I gotta not expect to win. I gotta learn how to lose. But if I can, I do think this could be valuable. This actually could help me in life, you know? Instead of waiting for life to actually kick me in the face, and having to learn my life lessons there. 
Maybe magic can help temper me a little. It can help me get over this inappropriate sense of entitlement and this frustration that comes when I don't get something that I perceive that I deserve because I don't deserve it. Because again, just to make it dramatic and to make it big and to blow this thing way up, life is hard and life is not fair. Magic is hard and magic is not fair. If you think you're gonna conquer life and solve life, you're not. You're gonna die just like everyone else. And if you think you're gonna conquer magic and solve magic, you're not. Because the best people in the world only win a bit more than you do. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. But it's also genius and there's just a lot of cool stuff. So that is my epic journey from playing Magic in 1995 to getting back into it in 2020. All right, so I'm gonna do some more chronicling of my Magic adventure. Talk about some of my favorite cards and decks I came up with and stuff that happened and just how things are going in the realm of learning humility and learning how to lose. I just think this shit's interesting, so I'm gonna keep blabbing about it, but not on this podcast feed because I'm gonna start getting way more in depth instead of just talking in general terms about magic. I'm gonna talk about specific cards and you really need specialized magic knowledge. So I'm gonna talk about it on my YouTube channel. And because also there I can put up images of the cards as I talk and I just think it'll be a better fit there. So uh, stay subscribed for The Last of Us book and more talk about other video games. But if you enjoyed this talk about Magic the Gathering and you'd like to continue following my adventures, the YouTube channel for this shit is K Courage. The letter K, the word courage. So just do a search for that, all one word. And I'll see you there.